back to another episode of the Music With Map podcast. I'm Wes. And I'm John. And this is the podcast where we explore all things music and how it intersects with people's lives and their day-to-day and their work, really. That's right. And so what we're going to do right now is we're actually going to jump back into an episode with our friend Alex. And Alex is a writer, comedian, and also a musician. And uh, the first part of this episode, we checked in kind of on the differences between him you know, performing as a as an actor and then also performing in a band and the sort of different notions of vulnerability, as it were, uh, writing certain things for, for comedy and for music as well. So, yeah, we'll definitely jump back into the episode. Yeah, here we go. I'm curious to know, when it comes to writing music, so... Yeah. Um, you know, in the many years that I've known you, I've I've witnessed you as a drummer, as a guitar player, as a bass player. Um, I don't know if you play other instruments, but certainly those three. That's the band right there. Yeah. So when you're writing music or maybe even more so like thinking creatively about music and musical phrasing, what what instrument do you mm. find is the one that you use do you think of like the rhythm kind of what the drums might feel like and then maybe play something over top or is it always from guitar or like, I think it's usually, I mean, it depends. It depends on what kind of song I'm writing. If I, if I, um, if I like guitar is my like main first instrument, right? Piano was my first instrument, but okay. then but then I was like, because I was doing piano lessons with my brother when I was like five or whatever. And then I was like, to my parents, I was like, Piano's not cool. Right, guitar yeah. is cool. Hmm. I want to play guitar. Yeah. And they were like, okay, fine. <laughs> right. That's fine. Uh, can't, they're like, can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah, can't argue with that. You're right. Radical. <laughs> um, uh, but, but, but so guitar is my like longest playing main right. instrument. So a lot of the time, the, the, the seed or genesis for something I'm writing will be noodling around and then finding something compelling mm. chords or melodies right. or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that'll turn into one kind of thing. But I feel like that turns into one kind of song. Whereas if I just like conceive of like a melody or a lyric or something, mm-hmm. then that turns, then it's like, Oh, then it's like vocal and melodic. Mm. And then I find chords to harmonize mm-hmm. that. Almost more like composition. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. full composition. That's like songwriting. Like scoring something. Yeah, oh, mm-hmm. I see. Well, mm-hmm. no, that one's songwriting. That's oh, like I if see. I if I like a, like an idea for a song as right. opposed to a riff. Right. That I like doing. Right. Then I'm doing like riff rock if it's on guitar. Mm. But if I'm puttering around and something comes to me in my head and I record a voice note, then I pick up my guitar later and try and find chords right. to go with this, mm. to go with this thing. Or sometimes, you know, drum beat too. I mean, drum mm-hmm. beat's just like, uh, scoring uh, often or like more instrumental music often comes from a drum beat because I'll be mm. playing drums in the practice space and I'll be like that's cool and I'll just like record a voice note of it right then import it into my computer yeah. and start layering shit on top very of cool. it very cool yeah but so it's kind of kind of different inspiration points uh, generate different types of music for me I guess and right. they the different starting points uh, yeah inspire a different process well that, yeah, that's awesome i mean there's so many different outlets that you have at your disposal like being multi-talented yeah. and faceted like that but um going back to how you kind of got started playing music and, and that whole thing so you started playing piano lessons and and obviously that wasn't for you um i i started the same way by I mean, the way now, I, I, now did piano. I wish i had kept oh, it up like uh, now easily. i'm trying to learn piano yeah. again yeah easily right. Yeah. right um i hear that 
So like you were younger, you started playing, like how did you start playing in bands right away? You know, I know like your brother plays music. Did you start kind of no, doing all that play, stuff? We or? played in church sometimes. Right. Uh, played some Jars of Clay songs in church mm-hmm. and uh, stuff like that. And then, uh, uh, and then, yeah. And then in like high school, uh, you know, met other kids who were mm-hmm. like into the local pop punk scene. Right. And that's when I started uh, playing in bands. Well, I, first I started being a fan. Like I started being in the scene and just mm-hmm. being, I remember it blowing my mind that there was all of these people my age who all had bands that played shows that all had original music and right. were putting out records. Right. Like uh, that, that, I remember that blowing my mind that there was, that were so, and cause I grew up in Burlington, which is like the, has the 905 mm-hmm. suburb scene, yeah. right. Which is, which is a pretty, massive scene with a lot of music and a lot mm-hmm. of people uh doing it so yeah that's when i i kind of just like m- m- played guitar uh as a kid growing up uh and then uh, when i got into high school met other punks and and started going to shows and then eventually weaseled my way into a band after right. being like a merch guy and all the yeah. other stuff right, right, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hanging just out going and being, up the ladder of being uh, friends yeah. with bands and then right you know um, sweet um yeah, because that makes sense. And also, I feel like, I don't know if you would agree, but I found it's helpful to have sort of to be writing music in a pragmatic kind of a way. So if you're at home noodling guitar versus if you actually start playing in a band, then it's less like, yeah. oh, okay, now I'm going to just be creating riffs or song structures and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Assignments and, like and deadlines. Mm-hmm. And and that makes sense, too, that that would have really like kind of like pushed you and yeah. like thrust you. Well, into and also and also like that, that outcome of like, oh, well, I, I, if we write cool songs, we can go to these shows and be a cool band and... Mm people will think we're cool for playing cool music at these cool shows. Yeah. Cause I was just in awe. I was in awe of all these bands the that were thing. like, that like felt like professional bands to me and were yeah. like, yeah, wild. So then was it like a linear career path into your twenties into, no. into this space or like, did you go to something else and so in find high your school, way back? In high school, I was playing in punk bands, pop punk bands, and also doing a lot of improv, hmm. uh, my high school. So I was doing both things. I was like, right. I was doing improv, but I was like, oh no, like my band's like, I'm, we're going to get signed and I'm going to tour and I'm going to do that. And then towards the end of high school, when that didn't happen, we, we like, we showcased for labels and there was a bit of like, oh, maybe, Mm -hmm. uh, but it was never, never really serious. But so at the end of high school, when that hadn't happened, uh, I went to Humber for comedy writing and performance because it was the other thing that I was doing and I didn't want to do a real program and get a real job i wanted yeah. to keep doing one of the things i loved so i i also got into sheridan for musical theater mm. wow uh, but i <laughs> but i was like oh if i go to sheridan for musical theater i'll probably stop doing comedy but if i go to school for comedy i'll still be playing in bands yeah so then i'll get right. to do both right right and i didn't want to stop doing one of them so it's a good move so that's what i did I, I went to humber for comedy and then when my band broke up uh, I was like, oh, okay, I guess I guess I'm doing comedy now. <laughs> yeah, right. And I like focused on that mm. for a few years. But then, you know, like like Sunday Night Live, the sketch show mm-hmm. that I did that John was the in the in the house band for, I would always gravitate towards musicians and make friendships with mm-hmm. musicians. Mm-hmm. And oh, you played the, with us in the band all the time. The comedy, <laughs> show, yeah, the comedy yeah. shows that I would do, we would incorporate musicians, mm-hmm. yeah. and then I would work with them or be friends with them. So it it, it was just kind of that. It was like I had this love of music. Uh, then I uh, started pursuing comedy more seriously, and then I just kept going, going back 
to mm. music and incorporating it into what I was doing. Right. What was the first? So like high school, you know, you were doing the pop punk thing. And then it sounds like comedy kind of took a bit more of the forefront for a while. But what, what was the first group, musical group that you played in that wasn't pop punk? Like, what was the first type of music that you played in a band that wasn't oh, pop man. punk? Is that too hard? Orchestral uh, comedy improv? Was that? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Which I, is remarkable, by the yeah. way. I think we got to bring that up again. But anyway, yeah. It was great. I, I really don't know. I mean... Mm. Um, I didn't really play. I don't know. I, I like I would just play music. You know, I went to a camp with Daniela Gassi, former yeah. friend of the podcast. Yes, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and we would play music all the time. Sure. Just like acoustic guitars, campfire, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I used to. She play would rip Dave Matthews solos. Oh, I remember one hundred percent Dave Matthews. Yeah. Stop, <laughs> Dave Matthews. I was never a huge Dave Matthews fan, but it was it was definitely in the water. Until you're at a camp. There's blood in around the around water. A fire. <laughs> Don't drink Don't the water. water. Skim. Skim. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I can really feel those those yeah, performance yeah, days yeah. coming back yeah. Yeah, around the campfire. <laughs> oh, yeah, fucking Dave Matthews. But yeah. yeah, so I don't know. I played pop punk, and then I well, I think I kind of like felt traumatized by my pop punk history, hmm. and then like was like put it away for a while. Sure, it, it was probably I started doing these shows at U of T, these rock operas. My friend Henri Fabergé of Henri Fabergé and the Adorables, who were like this um, indie rock. Uh, collective in Toronto a number of years ago uh, he had an artist residency at uh, U of T and they thought he was just going to like book some bands and do a variety show but what we did was these massive two hour long multimedia rock operas comedic rock operas and we would write a new show every month and put on this big rock opera serialized rock operas every month and so that was like uh, when I got into my next scene right. it was like it was like I left the pop punk scene. And I was like, uh, oh, put that behind me a bit. Uh, and then I fell into this scene of artists that were like performers, but like also a lot of musicians. He was a musician who wanted to do theater. So he got me and like Miguel Rivas, right. Kayla Lorette, Roger Bainbridge, these other people to help him write these shows. Uh, and I would be singing and I was doing drag. I had a dr- these drag queens that I would do in the shows and I would play music with these other musicians. And that was amazing because that was how I got to like, like Gentleman Reg, who's in- incredible, who's like in in broken social scene and other bands, mm-hmm. I feel like. And, uh, and, and I got to s- sing with them and like play with, uh, you know, people like Robin Hatch and, right. and, uh, and, uh, Eric Woodhead of Doldrums <laughs> at right. the time, uh, like those bands and like Sean Nicholas Savage, uh, like that whole Montreal scene of like mm. kind of indie electro pop stuff that was happening. Right. And so that was the next kind of scene I fell into, into a lot of house shows and watch that music and interesting that okay. kind of stuff. Right. And got, got to hang out and play a bit of music uh, right. with those people. Right. So it wasn't, it was like a venture that was not just about playing different music. It was kind of like the whole package. Yeah, yeah it was a big, was, it was a big freak crew. It was a big yeah, rock opera. Sounds awesome. Creative. It was the best. It was the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was the most intensely creative, collaborative, right. uh, wild, but artistically fulfilled period of my life, mm. probably. Right, mm. right. We killed it. That's awesome. Mm. That, that is such a beautiful time, I feel like, when you're 
just kind of like you got yeah. that youthful energy and you're around yeah. other creative people who have the same youthful energy and just yeah. the things that you can do and opportunities that the come stuff you're willing to do for free and that too yeah right that's what it was it was like some of the most talented people i know in a period of their lives where there was like i don't care about anything except for yep. just making something good yeah and i'll spend hours and hours and hours and hours on just it. honing the craft but we yeah. did yeah. and uh, we made some for sure shit. yeah and then so like you know, up to this point, I'm kind of picturing you still being a guitar player, but I almost feel like I know you a bit more as a drummer. So when did you start playing drums? I've always sat down at someone's drum kit, whether they wanted to me to or not. <laughs> Alex, get out of the drum yeah. kit. Get off the drum kit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I always loved the drums. Yeah. I didn't... I've always kind of been trying to pursue them, but, like, you know, I already, like had a guitar and guitar lessons and stuff so i never like i had a little practice pads kit for a bit right um when i was still in the suburb as a high schooler but then it was always the struggle of like i feel like i've been trying to have a drum kit in my house for like 20 years of course and it's always like i get like a I hard get, no <laughs> yeah, yeah or like i or you like live in a place where you can do that for a few months and then you move and you can't yeah so like yeah, yeah like the drum kit at comedy bar is my drum kit right yeah. because i had this drum kit that i like couldn't use yeah it was in storage and but you're also like, like i'm not gonna get rid of it i'm not I gonna get rid of it i've been kit. trying to have a drum kit for so long yeah. and then <laughs> so i hear that for so sure I, i've been kind of playing it or trying to play it for a long long time but it was really uh joining a band uh just prior to covid and then during covid that i really i, ha I started having access to a studio that had a drum kit right. that i could go and really practice uh, and so I started doing that before COVID and then during COVID, that was one of the things that kept me sane was knowing, yeah. mm -hmm. knowing that there was fry on Friday, I could go play drums and just like, <laughs> just like waiting for Friday every week and then yeah. go, would go in and practice drums for several hours. And, um, and you really dove into the craft and the technicalities behind playing. Drums. I had just never played rudiments before yeah. and I, and I, and, uh, I never tried, approached it like properly as a as an instrument or as it was a more just grooving and jamming mm -hmm. or whatever yeah right? just like... sit down and mess around and so you know i could play some basic stuff uh that i'd acquired over the years but yeah it was like it was like oh no if i want to actually be good at this if i want to actually be a drummer because that's what people, you know people be like oh you're a drummer and it's like no no yeah no no i know drummers yeah they can they're amazing they're drummers they're amazing mm -hmm. yeah like they know they they know they know the instrument yeah, yeah yeah i can sit down a drum kit and whatever like i'm not a drummer i'm just someone who plays drums yeah exactly yeah and i'm slowly i feel like getting there to being like Definitely. i'm a drummer mm -hmm. i guess yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i can kind of yeah but it was over covid i really like uh which yeah would do all the the stick control and rudiments and stuff right and, and could practice with my hands at home on practice pads right and, mm -hmm get my feet involved when I went into the space and uh yeah I've been been uh it's it's been one of my 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 one of my more uh what am I trying to say I've I've just been pursuing drumming more seriously the past few years right one of your more more passionate or involved pursuits mm. creative pursuits 100 yeah, yeah but again just like adding it to the repertoire of all yeah. the things that yeah. you do right like to, nowadays yeah. and we, we have yeah. this conversation with a lot of folks it's like nowadays to sustain a living in the arts you kind of have to do almost everything yeah right? well yeah yeah um so the more that you can kind of I mean, master is the wrong word yeah. for it, but the more you can kind of um, get good at something, mm -hmm. yeah, um, it just bodes well for sustainability. 
And then, and this also kind of along those exact same lines, this also led you to, you're mentioning this before, but start to explore recording. And yeah. that's also, it sounds like to me previously just sort of like a set of, a set of glasses or a certain hat that you'd never really worn before. Well, it was always, it's similar with drums. It's like someone else had drums in their basement and I was mm. like, fuck, I wish I had that. I want to play those anytime I'm there. Right. When I w- you would go into recording studios, I would be like, this is amazing. Like, yeah. Look at all this gear. Look at yeah. all this, that pro the creative process, the studio process I always loved so much. Yeah. And I felt like when I was younger, it you didn't get to spend, you know, you'd go into someone's basement who had a home studio there and you'd pay them a few hundred bucks for an EP or a day or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And you got a bit of a taste of that studio thing, but it was like pretty rushed and pretty yeah. like, you know, like drums, guitars, whatever. The, 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 that creative process of being able to be in studio and work on ideas and, and play with different techniques and stuff was always really exciting to me. Mm-hmm. So again, it's like when I started having access to studio space and started being able to have a drum kit, it was like, okay, hmm. now how do I record this? Like yeah. I started learning about microphones and I started buying microphones and, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and it's really exciting. You know, the first time I, I got an old tape recorder and the first time I just put an old tape recorder next to a drum kit. I think you were there. Remember I got this little tape recorder and I showed up to, 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 oh, the, to yeah. the bar and I, I was like, that. I wouldn't show shut up about this little tape recorder. <laughs> I kept making Marshall record. I was like, I would put I it next to Marshall. That. I'd be like, yeah. play something. And then I'd play back and I'd be like, can you believe how good you this sounds? That? You guys that? Can you believe how good, like just yeah. like a shitty, like a cassette, like a cassette, yeah, nice. but yeah. like the, yeah. the, the, the tape saturation yeah. and the yeah. like intense, the intense like compressor that was on this little onboard mic on the course, tape recorder. Yeah, yeah. It felt so funny to me putting up mics and trying to get a good drum sound. And then I put this tape recorder next to the drum kit one day and recorded it and was like, that's the sound. That's I want. the sound. Yeah. 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 <laughs> spending hours yeah. like yeah. compressing and EQing yeah. all these microphones. What I just want is the sound of a tape recorder next to mm-hmm. a drum kit. It sounds amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For, for that, for, for that, what, for that, that project. Yeah. 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 For that project. Yeah. 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 But it is also, um, you know, these are all in terms of, you know, as a drummer that you, I feel like you opened the Pandora's box of really focusing in on like the technicality of it. And then it's so interesting what a massive Pandora's box it is that you open when you get into the concept of recording hmm. but it, and engineering yeah. stuff and microphones and the different types of microphones and microphone placement. And, yeah. and like you said earlier, before we started recording, when you're like, I got these great microphones and then I heard how crappy the room was and how bad everything yeah. sounded. Now you're like, oh, no, now I got to like, you know, redo the sound but, in this room or something like that. But that's what's so exciting about it is yeah. that it all informs each other, right? It's like I never thought of – I like I thought my meter and my rhythm was good on guitar because I'd played it my whole life until mm-hmm. I started like really practicing to a click right. with drums. And then I was like, oh, my meter was shit. Right. It was right. – I, I had no meter. I was shit. And then taking that back to guitar and being like, oh, like I should be playing this more percussively. That's what makes Mm. things sound Mm. groovier and more in the pocket. Sure. So that informed that. And then with recording, it's like understanding frequency ranges Mm -hmm. and understanding where what you're doing as a guitar player or a a drummer is going to end up in the mix. Mm -hmm. It's, It's like understanding when you're directing. Like when I wanted to learn how to direct film, uh, my friends were like, you have to edit. 
Mm. Right. Because it's like, well, all the director is doing really is assembling the materials for the edit, the editors who puts this mm -hmm. all together and right. makes it happen. Right. So if you want to be a director, you have to know what you're doing, which is assembling those materials to be uh, combined by the editor. Right. It's like a similar thing with music where it's like, oh, okay, if I'm going to mix this, I'm going to record and mix this. If I'm going to put microphones on the amp, it's like, oh, well, that's going to impact how I think about my tone mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. thinking about how I'm contributing to an arrangement. Yeah. Think about my internal like kick control of my mix of when I'm drumming. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that was huge. Well, because I feel like the the common misnomer is just that idea like, oh, we'll fix it in post. We'll fix it. We'll oh, just digitize it, you know? There's a producer. They've got all these compressors and all yeah, these EQs yeah. and a whole mixing board. It's like, yeah. no, no, man, like that's that's all work that you have to do yeah and it's don't like, create that work exactly it's like <laughs> and if it's if it sounds like garbage going in yes it's going to be garbage in the back end yes. and it's like that's where i can see those similarities yeah. how someone might say like yeah you're directing something it's like well you need to know you need to have that perspective of kind of like what it looks like to have all of that mm -hmm. stuff and then try to assemble it into a project yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, it's that same thing with uh, with engineering um, yeah. music. Po Post-production just adds to the creative vision that's already established, yes. right? Like if, yes. if you... You can sweeten. Exactly. You can, you can, yes. yeah. Yeah. You can betterize it. You yeah. can put the but, polish on it and stuff like that. Yeah, but it's polish. like, you can't polish a turd, as they no. say. And it's just no, like no. totally true with recording. And just in terms yeah. of drums, too, it's like, it's like, oh, I, I like putting all the microphones on drums and being like, uh, like, oh, I thought that'll sound good if I put a mic on every drum. It's like, no, it sounds like eight different... Mm -hmm. unglued drums instruments is like really claustrophobic yeah. and then finding out like oh the room mics sound what i think a drum kit sounds like right. the sound of the full drum kit bouncing off of mm -hmm. everything right is what i think a drum kit sounds like so then it's like oh okay i want to crank those room mics i want to crank the i want to compress those room mics and i want to crank them up okay if i played the cymbals too loud mm -hmm. that sounds like nothing mm -hmm. yeah. that ruins it so it's like oh okay because i want to have this fat room drum sound and i want to crank the compression and, and use a bunch of those room mics i have to play to those room mics and keep the cymbal noise mm -hmm, down mm -hmm. so that i can crank them and get that mm -hmm. nice big reverberating yeah. drum yeah, sound. yeah and that's just like the whole full circle process basically is what yeah. we're talking about right there having that perspective sort of like yeah from both sides you know as a performer um the one that's like playing this stuff to being also the person that's recording it and inevitably yeah. mixing it and and trying to you know polish that sound and it's like navigating that that sort of creative water right like you don't know where this is going to finish necessarily yeah but you mm. kind of have an idea of where you want it to go or what you might want it to be so it's like having all of these tools at your disposal whether it's being able to drum guitar mm -hmm. be a comedian mm -hmm. write direct edit all of these things yeah. just kind of all reinforce the same idea of, of kind of getting you to that final point mm -hmm. and not necessarily knowing where it'll be, yeah. but at least you can get there in a way that's fully rounded. You know? yeah. yeah. And, and having it, like we we're saying, like having those hours put in of like either actually mm -hmm. recording and mixing the thing or actually being on stage to, yeah. to, to doing it. Yeah. To, yeah. to doing it so that you're fluid yes. and available Yeah, when it's like, Oh, we don't know where this is going to end up, but I have a lot of experience with the techniques that we're employing mm -hmm. or yeah. making stuff like this yeah. so that you can be responsive. It, and it's so interesting how like the concept of practicing, it's like, it's not actually the practice, it's the performance. It's like, yeah, whatever that is, like even as an athlete, it's just like you practice all week, you train all week, but it's like, it's really when you play the game that you learn everything yeah. and you see how those things kind of play into it. And it's yeah. so true. It's like, you know, I would say the same thing. 
more recently with what we do um, with Map, where we like help people work on their songs and inevitably work more on like the recording and engineering side of it. It's previously I was like you, where I'd be like in a studio and and doing stuff and and being a part of the process and sort of communicating with whoever was recording to sort of reach that desired end goal together. Yeah. But it's totally different when you're the one sitting in that chair, yeah. looking at the board, looking at all the different mics, hearing the different sounds, like being the one who's like, um, yeah, sorry, just keep hitting that kick drum for me. Like, you know, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't found yeah. the sound yet. And then meanwhile, the drummer's just like falling asleep going, boom, yeah. boom, yeah. being like, what the heck's going on here? Whereas like engineer, you're like working away being yeah. like, oh, no, we haven't quite got it. Like adjusting yeah. the different like EQ bands or whatever. Like, so it's just like, it's, yeah, it's my favorite example is just how guitar players always want their guitar tones to sound huge and beefy and thick. And with all this low end, it's like, we're not going to use that. Yeah. yeah. Do you know, do, like, do you, do you, like it's not gonna sound heavy. Yeah. Yes. If we use all the guitar low end, then we have no bass. There's no yeah. bass. There's It'll no bass. Sound like mud. And then it doesn't yeah. sound yeah. heavy. Yeah. yeah. I I know when you're in your basement mm -hmm. and you play chug 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 in front of your amp, it sounds good and heavy when that bass mm -hmm. is crank crank because there's nothing else. Yeah. But that's not what it will sound yeah. like. It's like if you're a recording a guitar player and they say that you're like, I'm just gonna tell you right now, I'm I'm pulling out all that low end. Yeah, I'm gonna say that for the bass and the because bass that's gonna make it heavy. Yeah. Your guitar is going to sound heavier. It'll sound like a guitar, not heavy. Yeah, it's gonna assume the job of a guitar yeah. in the context of a band, not the bass. Yeah. Um, well, it's that collaborative piece, right? Like it all yeah. kind of all kind of comes full circle. But Alex, um, one question that we always bring up on yes. the Map Podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, and the question that we just bring up in regular life all the time, all the time, what are you listening to these days? What, oh, what, what no. kind of music? I you know into? for you, this is a big yeah. question because yeah. I feel like you always are listening to quite a variety yeah. of different things. Maybe not now. Maybe you went I back can to never, the pop My problem stuff. is that I can never remember what I'm mm. listening to when people ask me and then I leave later and I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I'm listening to. Yeah. Um, I know it is like a tricky one. I shouldn't have said Dave Matthews. Again. I've been listening to, uh, there's a song called. Uh, seventh Element by a Russian pop singer called Vitas, and okay. it's a bit of a Vitas meme. It's like oh. it's got a chorus that goes, it's like a really weird song, and I've been listening to it a lot. Okay, awesome. Uh, I've been listening to. I haven't been listening to it a lot, but my plug is always Mustafa, Mustafa the poet. Right. He's this singer songwriter from Regent Park, Toronto, and he's a, a revelation. Uh, and a, a generational artist, and uh, everyone, cool. and, and everyone who hasn't listened to uh, Mustafa when the smoke rises needs to listen to it mm. right now and weep uncontrollably <laughs> mm -hmm. at the beauty and vulnerability of the record. Uh, <laughs> uh, is there anything else I've been listening? I to? feel like this is many moons ago, but there was a time where you were really into like. Japanese jazz music that sounded oh. kind of poppy it and was it was like, just like it, it, it was came like across Midwest as pop music emo jazz punk yeah like it came okay. across as sort of light and fluffy <laughs> pop but like that band's nuts that wild time signatures that band's and, called Turiko right 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 spelled tricot t r i c o t i don't know if i'm pronouncing it exactly right but turiko is close to what it is i'm it sounds spanish when i'm doing it it's a japanese <laughs> aye, aye, aye. it's a japanese <laughs> word um they're wild, man. Right. They're this group of women who play like, it sounds like jazz, math rock, pop punk, and it's it's so impressive. They're real. They're really, 
they're playing like jazz chords and weird time signatures, but it feels like a pop song. It feels like something you'd hear in like a dentist office, but also like if you actually pay attention to it, you're like, this you're is like, wait, what? What's yeah. happening? Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. What did they just do? Yeah. Like they're wild. I really like it. Was, it was really cool. I remember you um, bringing, bringing that group to my attention too. Um, and, and how it kind of played into like, cause I feel like you, some of the hardcore bands you listen to when you're younger also had this sort of mathy kind of, yeah, I love that stuff. odd time signature stuff. To me, yeah. musicianship was always, was what well, always attract me to stuff it's why i kind of i was like in the pop punk scene and then i got really into metal because mm-hmm. when i would go to pop punk shows some of the bands were good but a lot of them were really shit and couldn't play their instruments mm-hmm. right uh like really basic music was the absolute best mm-hmm. that they could do yeah versus like a talented musician who's like just well, then i would go to, to a metal much. show and i would watch eight bands in a row where everyone was amazing yeah mm-hmm. and maybe the band wasn't great but every musician in it could play. Could play the bar, the the bar yeah, seemed yeah. to be much yeah. higher. It like, was yeah. wild. So then I started listening to. Yeah, I mean Dillinger Escape Plan. Changed yeah, my life. yeah. That that right. That uh, uh, calculating infinity. That right. Re- that record. Oh my gosh. I feel gosh. like I remember like at the drive-in. At the also, drive-in yeah. relationship of command. Ross Robinson record. Yeah. Huge. Mm-hmm. I remember. I remember seeing. This was in the era when it was like. I remember seeing five to ten seconds of uh an at the drive-in music video on much music or something and being like what yeah that's so cool i need the and just going and buying the record based Mm -hmm. on seeing 10 seconds of one arm scissor because it seemed like the most chaotic insane thing i'd ever watched and then yeah that record was huge love that record yeah 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 um and then so i don't know what have we left out you ever you ever mess around with any like classical music or anything like that or a little bit. I think my ADD gave me. I I think longer forms intimidate me. Oh. Because I'm like, oh, I have to pay attention and take this all in and understand. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, later in my life, I enjoy classical music and stuff like that a lot more, just because I'm not as stressed about like understanding it. <laughs> I yeah. can just like listen to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get yeah, whatever yeah. you get out of it. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um. I like uh, bar talk. I like. Uh, who else do I like? Um, you know the other stuff, the the, the Philip Glass stuff, the John Cage mm. stuff, yeah, all yeah, of the, yeah, those guys, mm-hmm. Stephen Stephen Reich, all yeah. those yeah. all those yeah. weird freaks. No, that's I mean that's awesome. Even if you're thinking of Satie. like mm. oh I was I, gonna, if, I was just about to say romantic like piano yeah. players like Satie or even Satie Debussy is, or Ravel yeah, are also they're brilliant. Yeah, um, just nice to hear chill piano stuff. I know what you mean too with classical music, where sometimes there's a certain intensity. Even actually, it's like sort of I. F- you know, romantic era is when I feel like things kind of don't necessarily chill out more, but it's just like the pieces become a little shorter. They're a little less like yeah, in your right. face and stuff like they're, that. They're a little pop tune. It's like way less of the like, bam, boom. I also you know? just think the presentation of it was so academic when I was younger. Like right. classical music was presented to me as like... In accessible s- way almost. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's it, this is serious music. Yeah. It's not to be enjoyed. It's to be understood yeah. and dissected and revered. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, I don't know if I can crunch those numbers. Mm-hmm. But then... Right. Musicals were also huge to me growing mm, up. Interesting. Les right, Mi- of course. Les Mis and Phantom of the Opera and Jesus right. Christ Superstar. Right. Yeah. Um, and and for those, it was just this overall, the overall performance of it all. It's like fairly grandiose stuff. Yeah. There's a I mean, lot I was of different a theater, stuff to listen to. I was a theater and, kid. Right. Uh, so that stuff really appealed to me. I mean, I guess that's the other stream that I didn't mention. Like in high school, I was also doing musicals. Like mm. I was 
theater kid improv and right, then right. moonlighting as a pop punker well that makes sense because you mentioned that like improv theater thing so like yeah. i mean that didn't come from nowhere you're not yeah. just gonna be like i'll do theater sure yeah no it makes I was sense always you had a little bit of a bit background of, there bit of a ham bit of an attention seeker <laughs> so yeah i mean if you're young i think that that's akin yeah. to uh yeah i think i def i think yeah. i was probably above the uh the curve mm. uh on attention right. seeking though right. still. <laughs> well you know well, ultimately, like, um, again, appreciate your time, man. Great, great chatting Thanks with you. And, and, yeah. I, and I think it's been a cool um, exploration into, again, just reinforcing this idea of, of wearing these multiple hats, mm. right? Yeah. If, if somebody's serious about making a living in, in the arts or this industry, it's just being able to do as many things as you can and as many things as you can well. Yeah. Um, and, and with thought and with practice and, and all of the above. So, mm-hmm. again, appreciate your time and, and thanks for thanks for hanging with us. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for the mug. And, and cu- oh, yeah, absolutely, man. And you have to, anytime you're in public, you have to be seen with that mug. Down. It's <laughs> just the contractual will, yeah. uh, obligation yeah. that you have with us. I'm going to yeah. put it on a carabiner. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like, it's, like it's my keys. Yeah. Is that a travel mug? Nope. I do travel with it. Yeah. It is not a travel mug, however. It's just a standard porcelain mug. It's my fifth one. They keep breaking. Yeah. <laughs> Smashing on everything. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, appreciate it. Though. It was great to uh, great to talk with you, and kudos to you. You you know, again, you you like have a lot of cool stuff going on, and I feel like you don't take that stuff lightly. You really like take it on as something. Um, you know, you're passionate about it, but you also make a point of learning as much as you can about whatever the subject is or whatever the task is at hand. You know, and kudos to you. Like that's oh, not thanks. not everyone does that, so uh, that's awesome that you take it. Oh, that's nice have to that hear. Approach, yeah. Thanks for having me. For sure, yeah.